0: A brand new cryptid is spotted just a few miles from my home. Is it possible that you can summon a trash can by insulting it? And then we take a look at a young boy who has a terrifying experience in a swimming pool. As he watches the world fade to black, gasping for breath at the bottom of this public swimming pool we are forced to ask ourselves the question, what really happens when we die? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had an awesome weekend. You heard it in the intro. We got a ton of stuff to cover, so we're going to get started right away. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our newest Patreon supporters. Everyone, give it up for Orms Fang. Woohoo! Yeah, come on in, Orms Fang. Come on in, buddy. Thank you so much for joining the Dead Rabbit Radio Patreon. He actually sent me an email not too long ago where he, before he's a Patreon supporter, where he was talking about getting the word out about the show, which I also appreciate so much. If you guys can't support the Patreon, help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. It helps out so much. Or do both. Both is fine too, but preferably not neither, right? Orm'sfang is going to be our captain, our pilot this episode, and he specifically asked to drive the Dead Rabbit Dreadnought, so we're going to go ahead... Give him a little skipper uniform, little Donald Duck pants, even has a little bow tie or whatever Donald Duck had around his neck, spiked collar. Ormsfang, take this dead rabbit dreadnought our massive battleship out of the dock. We're headed all the way down the Columbia River. I don't know what I don't know what noise a battleship's supposed to make. Probably none right? Aren't they supposed to be sneaky? So you don't see it. You're just kind of like standing there. Standing there at your base on an island. And you're like looking the other way. And then you turn around. There's a giant battleship there. I came across this story. And this story actually was recommended to me by a good personal friend of mine named Ryan. Who lives in the area. So thank you Ryan for turning me on to this. This is a brand new cryptid. This is a brand new cryptid. I, I don't believe I've ever heard of this thing before. But there have been these flyers popping up on the other side of the river. I live in Hood River. Oregon, and in Benjamin, Washington, completely on the other side of the river to me, there are these flyers popping up that say, have you seen the ebony ape cat? Now, in Britain, you know, in America, we have the Sasquatch, especially in the Pacific Northwest, but in Britain, their big cryptid is a thing called the alien black cat, not alien like space aliens, but there are these panther sightings all over Britain. They've been there for decades. It's a a little more lame than a Bigfoot. You know, America got the big old hairy dude who disappears. They just got some cat. They just got some cat. But there are people who spend their entire lives trying to prove that there are really these giant panthers walking around England. There's every so often a blurry photo shows up. That's about it. Maybe a big old panther claw. Maybe a half-eaten shepherd somewhere. But in America, it's really lame if that's the only thing you got. Sure, you got Stonehenge. And and that's about it. You got Stonehenge and then Rendlesham, which was kind of like a low rent Roswell over in Britain. It didn't, the UFO didn't even crash. It's not even that spectacular. It was just a big light. Boring. But in America, we got the Sasquatch. And now you can have the, the big Black Panthers, Britain. We have the ebony ape cat. Ebony ape. I got to emphasize that because it's just weird. It's an ape cat. This might be a publicity stunt, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is because I've kind of looked into this company and they're really into this stuff even before this whole ebony ape cat. There is a business across the river called Margie's Outdoor Store. And next to it, <laughs> I have to say this too because this might also inform a little bit of this. Margie's Outdoor Store. And I believe that you are selling like outdoor supplies. I haven't visited it yet. But I will be going there. Margie's Outdoor Store sells like outdoor supplies. And then right next to it, in operation for much longer than the outdoor store, Margie's Pot Shop. So, so this store has a bunch of like camping gear. And then right next to it, you can go and get all of your marijuana needs. Not, not flower pots. You can go and buy your previously medicinal marijuana. And now that it's legal, just marijuana. So you have a pot shop right next to an outdoor store, and this store when you walk into Margie's Outdoor Store, there's a giant sign on the window that says, "We want your paranormal reports." They want to know about your Sasquatch sightings, your UFOs, your ghosts. If you if you visited Britain, did you see anything lame over there? And they have a little form you can fill out and then hand it to them and they're compiling all of this stuff. They're paranormal researchers. And what they're working on right now is they've started to collect reports je- fairly recently. They really started collecting these reports in February of 2022. So even though the sightings are a little farther back than that, they're not too far back. We're not talking about stuff, sightings from the 1800s. It's of the ebony ape cat, and this is why they call it that. People have reported seeing in the force in South Washington this massive black cat. They say it's about five feet tall and it's totally muscular. It's like walking around. You ever see like a nature documentary? <laughs> or you look out your window if you live in a wilderness preserve right now. You ever see like a big cat move and its muscles are just rippling? Not like a domestic cat <laughs> where they're all flabby American cats. You go, I'm sure he had some muscles underneath all that fat. But they're just these raw predators. You can actually watch their muscles flex. This dude's super muscular and he's covered. His whole body's covered in four inch black fur. But it's not like a little, little, like the fur's hanging down. It's not like a little shaggy dog. Apparently, the fur is sticking up, like bristling everywhere. And (laughs) people are clearly making this up. That doesn't make any sense. Also, how do you see how muscular it is if the hair's all sticking up? I don't know. I have not seen one yet. Maybe it is totally a pair, but you see the hair all sticking up. And it has a six foot long tail. So that's a pretty big cat, right? That's I'm that, I'm not six feet tall. If I laid down behind a <laughs> if I laid down behind this giant cat, which I never would, maybe I'm playing dead and he's passing me, I'd be like, whoa, that's a quite a long tail. I guess I don't, have to, I don't have to lay down next to it to tell how tall it is. But the reason why they call it the ape cat is. Some reports say that when you look into this creature's eyes, it has, quote, intelligent ape like eyes, unquote. So that's why it's called this. Some reports say this thing is almost, you could almost define it as half cat, half ape. But I don't know. That's impossible. That's a totally different creature. That's not like a cat with ape eyes. That is has cat legs and then big old monkey arms. However, monkeys are quite muscular. So I don't know. Maybe it does have that. Again, I've never seen one. There's been no photographs of this thing. But people have been reporting the ebony ape cat in Bingen and has these really intelligent eyes. Now, there have been no interactions that have been hostile people who watch this thing the creature just kind of looks at them and steadies them you have to be pretty close to tell what type of eyes they have right that's not something that you're seeing across the cornfield in britain that i just want to keep ragging on their stupid black cats over there you got to be close to this dude to actually see what type of eyes he has he has intelligent ape-like eyes and they said what happens is when you're in the presence of this thing, if you have a, a compass, a, like a magnetic compass, which I think really all compasses are magnetic, your little thing will spin. Woo, woo, woo. It spins around. Spins around. And it's interesting. They say this is not a joke. We actually want to know about this ebony ape cat. Please come in. We're serious. Tell us about what's going on. And so I started looking at, Ryan, thanks for sending that over to me. I started looking up more information on this other than the flyer. And I found some articles in a local newspaper called the Columbia Community Connection. It's a local newsletter and a local news website. And there are these interviews from James Zubsky. James Zubsky? He's the chief operating officer of Margie's outdoor store. And he said he talks about since February we've been taking in these stories. And then he kind of relayed a lot of the information that I just relayed to you. I did think this was interesting because he also did another interview. And these are sponsored interviews. He's paying the newspaper to run these interviews. I don't know if that I don't know if that makes it more legit or less legit, but I, I, I could see myself doing something like that, right? To get the word out, you give the newspaper... <laughs> Jason, it's clearly, it's clearly not a community newspaper. Clearly, generally, the LA Times isn't like, we'd really like to cover this crime. Maybe some money will get the word out about that suspect that fled the crime scene. The police are like, ah, fine, here's your money. I don't know how this newspaper works. I don't know if all their articles are sponsored, but just, for, just to be clear... Margie's Outdoor Store paid them to do these interviews, okay? So anyway, Shirley like, Jason, come on. I think this is probably legit. I don't think this is a scam. I don't think this is a scam. I think they probably are seeing something up there. But in one of these articles was about why is the gorge, that's this what this area is called, why is this gorge... The Gorge, considered such a paranormal hotbed. I mean, we have a ton of UFO sightings. Mount Adams supposedly has underground bases. There's cults. We had the big cults in the Dowels that committed the largest bioweapon attack in American history. There's that Netflix documentary about those guys. We have all sorts of weirdos up here. And aliens. Not too many ghosts. Not as many ghosts as I would like. And But we have a bunch of paranormal stuff. So the article is saying your check is cleared. James, we'll go ahead and do this interview. And he goes, the reason why this is fascinating. The reason why I think the Gorge has so much paranormal activity is because of how it was created. He says this whole area, because we're sitting in between two volcanoes here. Hood River and Benjamin you have Mount Hood in Oregon. It's this massive volcano. When you're flying in a plane, once you pretty much enter Oregon, you can see it. So we have Mount Hood right here, and then we have Mount Adams on the other side of the river. So we're literally in between two volcanoes. And he goes, about 15 million years ago, this entire area was created by massive volcanic eruptions. You just had lava Flowing over the landscape, this entire region was born in fire and flame. And then about 15,000 years ago, the gorge itself, this river, the Columbia River that cuts through, there's this massive gorge that separates Washington and Oregon, there was a huge flood. Millions of gallons of water cut a swath through the volcanic bed. Through the soil. So we have this really weird striations when you're driving through. You can kind of just see the wall. Apparently, this is the only... I could be getting this detail a little bit wrong. Because I've had other people tell me this in Hood River. And I haven't verified. But in Hood River, in Bingen, this is the only national, like, registered national park that you can live in. This whole area is like protected federal land because it's so beautiful. And then you just have people living in it. And he goes, I think that's why you have so much paranormal activity here. You had the the birth of it with these two elements, fire and water, colliding together. In, in the relatively recent past, right, 15,000 years ago is not long at all for the Earth. So who knows? Maybe that's an interesting theory of why there's so much paranormal activity. Again, I would like a little more ghosts in the area. It's really hard finding haunted houses around here. But yeah, there are a lot of UFO sightings, a lot of weird cults, especially towards Mount Adams. So is there a new cryptid? Is this a brand new cryptid that's being spotted? And he seems to be, James seems to be the kind of the same attitude I am. It's not necessarily a biological thing. Some people believe that Bigfoot is a biological creature that has like a mating season and defecates and eats and stuff like that. He seems to think this is something paranormal because you have the magnetic issues with the compass and because of the area it's in. And I think that's a good reason why we can never find Sasquatch. He may exist, but it's not a creature like a bear or a deer or a duck. It's something from somewhere else. So Ryan, thank you for sending that over. I'm going to go visit that store soon. It'd be cool to get some more information about what's going on there. And if the podcast gets really, really wacky, it's because I also went over to Margie's pot shop, and I was like, hmm, Ormsfang is taking me to the hospital for marijuana poisoning. He's then going to take the keys to the Jason Jalopy out of my pocket, and we are all going to drive out to South Dakota. I found this online. This story is really short, and it's an experiment we can all do together. Or maybe not. This might actually be some unholy curse. That I'm about to unleash on myself. But I found this posted online. And this, if you're wondering why the art for this episode. (laughs) I've waited this long. i waited like 15 minutes to tell you what's going on. If you've wondered why the art for this episode is a red trash can. It's because I found this online. It was posted by Dusted Like You. Dusted Like You. Posted this in the Urban Legends subreddit. And he goes, hey, has anyone else heard about the the trash can? Has anyone else heard about the red trash can urban legend? <laughs> there's just nobody, nobody's heard about this thing. But apparently it's a local urban legend. And I did a reverse Google image search on this trash can. I couldn't find that this had been posted anywhere. There's a photo of this red trash can. And he says, in my area, there's this urban legend that there is one particular trash can that... Got beat up a lot. He got beat up a bunch. I guess people were kicking him around or throwing trash in him. He's like, no, no, why am I getting trash in me, even though that's what I'm designed for? He got beat up a bunch. He got kicked around. So they started calling him the thrash can because he got thrashed. Apparently, this story took place in the 1980s and people still use that word. And you look at the photo, not if you're driving a car, not if you're driving a car, but if you look at this photo, it doesn't look too badly beat up. (laughs) Maybe it was emotional damage. Maybe they picked on this trash can at school. We don't know. But apparently, this trash can or the thrash can, if you talk bad about it, this is so weird. Who knows if it's true, right? I kind of think this is legit because I kind of, when I see this stuff pop up on Reddit, I kind of look through their other stuff they're posting on to see if they're also posting a bunch of pranks. Um, This might be legit. Well, we're going to find out. If you talk bad about this particular trash can, you or a member of your family in the not-too-distant future will get a red trash can. And you go, well, Jason, couldn't you just go out and buy a red trash can right now? And yes, that, that is one of the ways you may get it. But let's say you don't buy a red trash can. Then someone may gift you a red trash can. You may be sitting there and someone's like, dude, I've been over your apartment a couple of times. It's really disgusting. Here's a trash can. And it's red. You can get it as a gift. Someone can trade you something for it. Someone's like, hey, man, thanks for, thanks for inviting me over to your dirty, dirty apartment. Here's a red trash can. I'm trading it for our friendship. I don't want to be friends with you anymore. Or maybe you're just walking around town and you find a red trash can. The point is, is that if you talk trash, no pun intended, about this trash can, you'll get a red trash can, or a family member will get a red trash can. Again, you could just run out and buy a trash can, but let's not buy trash cans. We're going to talk bad about this trash can right now, and we'll see. I will report back to. I'll report back to if anyone in my huge extended family gets a trash can. But let's see if I can get one or find one. So trash can. I actually feel bad about that. <laughs> I actually even think about the story. I feel bad. I was like, oh, it's just a trash can. You suck, dude. Red. Pff, that's the lamest color of the prism. I swear that I could put more trash in a box than I could put in you. A tiny box. A jewelry box. A box for a little ring. You. As I'm visualizing you, Red Trash Can, you suck. And I hope that no one ever finds you. I hope you're sitting in a dump right now covered in rats. Not even rats. Earthworms. I hope you're full of rotten apples and earthworms. Trash Can. Red Trash Can. Let's see if that works, Jason. Come on, man. What has this show become? You just spent three minutes trash talking to trash. We're going to see what happens. That's what the show has become. It's become experimental. Let's find out. If I Listen, if my family gets a red trash can, I don't know if I would ever know about it. I'm going to go visit my mom in a couple weeks. Take a three-week break from the show. Maybe I'll walk in. If there's a red trash can, I will report it immediately. I will do like a mini episode while I'm down there. But maybe I'll get a trash can. Maybe one... <laughs> it'll be full of maggots. It'll be so full of disgusting stuff. I'm like, no! And I actually want to take back all that mean stuff I said about this cute little trash can, but I can't. So let's see. And if you guys feel comfortable invoking the dark spirit of this, or who, who knows? Is it a dark spirit? Is it cursed? I don't know. I guess I should have asked. I guess I should have figured that out before I publicly lambasted this trash can. Let's find out. I should also do this on my TikTok, too. That would be fun. That'd be fun to spread the curse even further before anyone knows the full ramifications. But dude, what a fun urban legend. What a cool little test. What a short little story. Ormsfang, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the carbonicopter. We're changing gears. If you thought me trash-talking a trash can was upsetting, I hope you didn't. Hope you weren't crying. We're about to get real dark. Ormsfang, Let's toss you the keys of the carpenter cop. We're saying goodbye to South Dakota and it's rapidly multiplying red trash cans. We're headed all the way out to a public swimming pool. The year is 1987 and we're outside of this public swimming pool. We don't have a lot of information of where this pool is located, but I feel, I believe that this story truly is a universal story doesn't matter where this happens at, it may always resolve itself the same. I find these type of stories absolutely fascinating. Let's get into it. It's 1987. I found this story posted online by someone who goes by the name TechSupport261. And TechSupport, we're going to go ahead and call him Jimmy. Jimmy is a four-year-old boy in 1987. And he's at the local swimming pool with his family. Now, Jimmy couldn't swim. So he was relegated to hanging out in the kiddie pool where his little feet could touch the ground and he would sit there and play with the other kids and like splash each other and be like, "Wee!" But of course, it's not not super fun in there, right? It's like maybe two cubic feet of water and you just kind of like walk around in a circle and then you just kind of sit there like it's a spa. You want to go in the big boy pool. And little Jimmy would get to go in the big boy pool. Sometimes he would have his little floaters on his arms and he would kind of float along. And then sometimes he would have a inner tube. He'd have like one of those circular floaties, which is great. I don't understand. I don't know if they still do them this way. But when I was a kid back in 1987, they designed these with a giant hole in the middle, which is the place there shouldn't be a hole because you fall through. Or an octopus wraps its arm around you and grabs you right through it. Now, I think nowadays it's a circle and there's like a little covering down there so you don't actually fall through. But back in 1987, safety was not anyone's concern. Jimmy, when he goes in this big boy pool, if he doesn't have his arm floaties on, he's in his little inner tube. And of course, you always want to go to the big boy pool. So on this particular day, because he said his family did this all the time. His family loved going to the pool. They were often down there. He goes, this particular day, though, is very crowded. And he's in the big boy pool, and he's in his little inner tube, and he's floating through the crowd of people. And they're splashing each other and swimming. (laughs) Apparently, I'm sure some people are actually trying to breaststroke. They're hitting everyone. They're like, get out of my way. I'm currently competing in the Olympics. You're like, ah. People are doing all this stuff, horsing around. He's in this little floaty inner tube, and he finds himself in the middle of the pool. Like, dead set in the middle of the pool. It's about... Five and a half feet deep where he's at. And he's less than that. He's not that tall. But he's in a little inner tube. He's not worried about what's underneath the water. He's on top of the water. He's soaking in the sun. He just costed an Olympian, his gold medal. He's having a great day. But then, because these things are so poorly designed, shock of shockers, he falls through the (laughs) giant kid-sized hole in the floaty, in this little inner tube, And he's now underwater. Jimmy, four years old, little four-year-old boy, doesn't know how to swim. And he's starting to sink into the water. Now, he says, I remember clearly looking up and seeing a ton of adults. The pool was so crowded. I could see all these adults and as I'm falling deeper and deeper in the water, he goes, I remember reaching up, thinking if I can touch one of them, if I can grab one of them, they will look down and see me because through all their revelry, all their swimming and hooting and hollering, they're throwing the inner tube around to each other. Frisbee fight! They don't notice him under there. If I can just grab one of them, touch one of them, they'll look down and see this little boy at the bottom of the pool. But his little hand is reaching up and as he floats further and further to the floor no one sees him. He's now too far away to grab one of these people.
1: No one knows Jimmy is drowning.
0: Jimmy starts to convulse. He has no air. He's trying to hold his breath. The oxygen is leaving his lungs.
1: And then all of a sudden, he
0: realized he no longer had to breathe. Like his body just said, nope, you don't have to breathe anymore, Jimmy. Because you can't. There's nothing you can do about it. So just relax. And as this little boy's at the bottom of the pool, he goes, I remember being down there and I realized I didn't have to breathe anymore. But I should try to move. I got one last chance here because my body is shutting down at this point. And he says, he goes, I remember walking across the bottom of the pool. I figured maybe I could get to a wall. Maybe I could get to a wall. Maybe climb up. Maybe get to a ladder. But as his little feet are walking along the bottom of the pool. Suddenly he is laying on the side of the pool. Like he's like up on a towel, laying there, and his mom is sitting over him. And he, he sits up. He's like, what, what happened, mom? How'd you get me out of there? Is everything okay? And his mom looks down at him and goes, "What are you talking about?" he goes i was in i was under the I was in the water. I was drowning and he goes, "My mom looked at me like she had no idea what was going on And he realized in this moment, and he still thinks about this thirty five years later, he goes, "When I came out, like when I woke up sitting next to my mom, I wasn't gasping for air." I wasn't choking up water.
1: I was just there. Alive.
0: With no physical effect of drowning. I mean, his body was shutting down. And now he just sits up and goes, ah! There was no gasping of breath. There was no refilling his lungs of air.
1: And he's thought about that day. Over the years. And he's wondered. If.
0: He died at the bottom of that pool. And. His consciousness. Shifted.
1: To a reality. Where he didn't. Because what he quickly realized. After waking up. Next to his mom. In this reality, he knew how to swim.
0: That would make all the difference in the story, right? You could have two jimmies in two different worlds. One of them, four years old, had been taught to swim. At least the basics, right? But the jimmy from the original timeline hadn't. Either didn't want to swim... Parents couldn't afford the lessons, whatever. I mean, if you're going to a pool all the time, you don't want to teach your kids how to swim. But when he woke up, he knew how to swim in this world, in this reality, which would make all the difference. It's a fascinating read. You, I'll put the link in the show notes. He begins interacting with other people because other people start sharing similar stories. I remember drowning and then I remember just not drowning and not having any Water in my lungs, and he's like, "Yeah, this." Is so he 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 goes, "I I can't believe other people have experienced this before, something so similar to his story, right?" But we've talked about this before, and this is pretty big in the paranormal community. Quantum immortality is the term, the idea that when you die in one universe, you shift to another one because. You cannot exist in a universe... This is the the guiding principle to it. Because you cannot exist in a universe you cannot consciously observe, you will go to a universe you can consciously observe. It's a very, very interesting concept. We've talked about it a lot on the show, most famously. This is how I found about it. That nutcase, John McAfee, did a big article where he put a gun to his head and was like playing Russian roulette, and he's like, quantum suicide, I can only be in universes where... I don't blow my brains out in front of this vice reviewer. And then eventually he did kill himself in, in, in a jail cell or something, right? If I remember correctly. Or some people think that he was murdered. Quantum immortality. Fascinating concept. The issue that I've had with it is it's fine when you're in... F- well, I'm not saying drowning four-year-olds is fine, but... It's fine if you're four and you're drowning in a pool and then you wake up and you're not drowned and you know how to swim. But what happens when you're 85 years old with two broken hips and you're hooked up to life support and your heart gives out and then you shift into a reality where you're an 82-year-old person, two broken hips, and your heart just has an extra minute left and you're hooked up to all life support and then you shift out of that universe to another Old body with broken hips and a heart that just has an extra minute. Like, that is the interesting and terrifying thing about quantum mortality. Is it what we would think of as hell? Because if this happens when you're four, you jump into a four-year-old body, you're good to go. But imagine being 92 years old and your body shutting down and you just constantly hop to realities where your body hasn't shut down yet. But guess what? You're 92 years old. You're in the hospital and your body's about to shut down. And it would be an unending series of fear of death constantly shifting forward and forward. Now, I've had my own interactions with what I believe is quantum immortality. Once I almost got my head crushed by a bunch of really, really heavy boxes that I had stacked up haphazardly next to my bed. And I remember having a dream. Have I ever talked about this on the show? I remember having a dream that I rolled over in my bed and there was someone else in my bed with a real kind of creepy look on their face. And something touched me, touched the side of my face as they were looking at me. And I woke up screaming at the top of my lungs. And what had happened was all of these boxes, these very, very heavy boxes, if they had, I don't know if they would have immediately killed me, but they would have done some serious damage to my skull had fallen inches from my head. And inches might be too generous, because what I believed at the time was that when the boxes fell, I hit my face against the box, and that was the thing touching me. But I was screaming at the top of my lungs, and I was living with my aunt at the time. Her little dog was barking, barking outside my door. My aunt had no idea what happened. She didn't hear me yelling or anything but i've always i haven't always thought i've thought that maybe there was a reality that was me shifting like i there was a reality where i was killed underneath those boxes they yeah they did not kill me instantly they they could have and um i could have shifted to a reality where i was just an inch or two away or again less than that so that's all well and good right shift from one jason to another jason still 35 years old haven't even hit my peak yet but what happens when you're on your deathbed but then i i i i I don't know how to answer that question and i started to think that maybe that's a little too maybe that's a little too negative right i mean it's logical if you look at quantum immortality you take it to its end result that's what would happen because we don't have a documented case of someone who's 92 years old shifting into the body of a four-year-old Right, Even with reincarnation, right? it's someone else who passed away in World War II. They shot down a bunch of Japanese planes, and then they crashed into an island, made sweet love to Amelia Earhart, got bit by a Komodo dragon, and died. And now there's some three-year-old in Des Moines, Iowa. It's never, oh yeah, I remember being an old man. I remember being me as an old man and dying of a heart attack because I was making love to Amelia Earhart's long-lost relative And then I became three years old again. We don't have a documented case of that. But what if that works? Has there ever been a case of self-reincarnation? Somebody living out their full life, dying, and then becoming themselves as a kid again. And remembering it. Because that's the only way that quantum immortality would be a happy ending. These stories are so fascinating, right? This kid dying and then shifting into a reality where he knows how to swim. And we've covered other stories like quantum immortality as well. But if the end result is us just in hospital beds for eternity. Hospital beds if you're lucky, right? That's all gruesome. That's a fate worse than death dying over and over again and just getting a little bit older and a little bit older and a little bit older? Is there a case of someone living a full life and then living it again and again and again? Their same life, not reincarnating as someone else. It's so interesting because when you look at the world of the paranormal, there's people like us that are like, whoa, there's a new cat that might have monkey eyes. And most people are just going to be like, "What what are you talking about? Did you go to Margie's Pot Shop again? But the one paranormal activity that everyone has to face is death. It's the definition of paranormal. Death itself is normal, but what happens afterwards? Even the idea of annihilation, even the idea of never existing again, is paranormal, because there is no way we can comprehend not existing. You just can't. Death is the one paranormal event that eventually Everyone will have the answer for it. You may hate UFOs. You may not believe in Sasquatch or ghosts or anything like that. But in the end, we will all find out the truth about what death is and what lies afterwards. It's a terrifying concept, but it's one that we grapple with every single day. And to me, the hopeful answer is a paradise in the afterlife. I also would love to reincarnate because I love Earth so much. I love life so much. And this is all I know. Paradise terrifies me, honestly. Because I don't understand it. But I understand this. I understand life. And the idea of dying and shifting to another universe, that's even cooler because then I just get to keep being me instead of being a branch or a bug or something like that. Reincarnating as somebody else I don't know, right? I don't know. I don't know that dude. I know me. I know all my friends and my family and stuff like that. But quantum immortality throws a monkey wrench into even that idea of reincarnation, where you're basically shifting over into another reality as yourself. The whole idea is completely fascinating. Whether it's any of these theories or something even more unknowable to what happens to us after we die... It's the one mystery that everyone from a paranormal investigator to a diehard skeptic will someday investigate for themselves. I only hope that the
1: answer isn't utterly terrifying. But I guess we'll find out someday.